podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording has been made for September 30th, 2020. from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 to 28. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day, after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone, and there was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night, because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight, and took my son from beside me, while your servant slept, and laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one, and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart has yearned for her son, Oh, my lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. The other said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard about the judgment of the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they had perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. It's a wonderful story of Solomon. It occurs in the same chapter in which Solomon has just entered into his leadership. He has just been anointed king, and he had a dream. And in that dream, God asked him for whatever he wished. Did he want longevity? Did he want wealth? Did he want power? And Solomon thought about it, and he says, Please, Lord, if it would be your wish to grant your servant this simple request, make me wise. Make me wise that I might rule your people with justice. And when he awoke, God says, You have chosen wisely. I will make you a wise and a just ruler. And to throw in some cream on top, I'll give you longevity, wealth, and influence. But justice is what's highlighted in the passage. 
that we just heard. I had thought to use another passage today for my meditation on unity, but then my mind came back where the scene was illustrated. Solomon seated, women facing him, pointing their fingers at one another, and a child being held by Solomon upside down by one leg, sword glistening in his hand as if he was ready to just dispatch this child. And as I read the story and looked at the image, it's a powerful image. Obviously, it stayed with me. I was just a boy. I think about the powerful images that stay with us and how it is almost impossible to try to shake them from our mind's eye. Images are everywhere. But when I think about that children's Bible that I was reading with the story of Solomon and that just one little depiction, one lithograph, I think now that because we are so steeped in images, videos, and there's this attitude now where the images that come to us, they're with such regularity, it's, they're easy to dismiss. They're easy to just sort of forget, put away. We can look away from them. Or, they all just look the same. They're all designed to increase the spectacle. They're all designed so we won't turn away, so we will pass it on to our friends, so we will be able to have talking points at school, around the way in the office place. Did you see? We pull our phones out. And we show people the things that we saw. Can you believe this? Look at what's going on. Look at what's circulating. Look at what's happening in the world. And we're so beaten down with these images that we want to switch everything off. The images are causing us to not pay attention anymore. We've become numb. We'll see something that is supposed to outrage us supposed to cultivate an attitude in us and we feel nothing we feel empty twenty twenty has been without a doubt in my mind one of the strangest years I've ever experienced I think this pandemic makes it strange. This disease, which of course, let's just be honest, we can't even get anyone to agree on, except those who have had it, has caused us to change the way we live, reorder ourselves. And then, with the frustration of being sequestered indoors, being forced to have to deal with the immediate families that we live with, we overindulged on social media. And that's when things really got weird. Social media is the ultimate escapism. 
used to be television. Remember when you just went home, you'd grab your favorite snack, and you'd land yourself in your favorite chair, you'd sit in front of television, and then all of a sudden, it would go from day to night, and you would wake, and the TV was watching you, and we'd spend just copious hours in front of this thing, letting programming wash over us. Surfing from channel to channel. And as the channels grew, our attention wavered because we were always endlessly in search of something that was more interesting to watch. And then you have the internet explosion. Back in the day, we called it the World Wide Web. And it was going to be the be-all, end-all. It was going to put TV to shame. It's going to be everything that we wanted. Curate our own programming. Bookmark your favorite pages. All your best shows, programming, and content at a whim. Type in anything you want to know about. Press send, and it will come to you all over the world the world as they say at your fingertips and we thought that this was like we were down for this this was like the best thing ever we don't have to travel anymore because we can have friends in far off countries and we can know them intimately and we thought this was going to be a wonderful idea right that the internet was going to actually bring us together that was the hope in the same way that the computer was going to end the need for paper. You won't need to print out anything anymore because you'll have your computer and you can read it on your screen. Remember that lie? Remember that one? We all fall for that one. Computer showed up. The printer showed up. We wound up using more paper now because we had to print these huge files that far exceeded the capacity of the disks that were designed to hold them. So now here we are, the world at our fingertips, globalism is only but a click away, and we have reached our breaking point. We don't want to hear anything from the outside anymore. So disgruntled have we become as a people, we don't even want to hear what's going on in other towns other places, even within our own countries. We just have had enough. Solomon had these two warring women before him, each one of them making a claim. We both had children. One child died, one child lives. The mother of the child who is still living, says, this woman has stolen my child because her child died. The other woman turns to her and says, no, you have it wrong. Your child died and my child lives. Solomon's asking himself, well, why do you come to me? But he did pray for wisdom. He says, I, I can solve this. 
I can solve this. Bring me a sword. I'll just divvy the child up. We'll just divide it like a cupcake. Each one of you can have half. Wait, this is a ridiculous notion. Solomon knew it was a ridiculous notion, but because his wisdom was from God, he was calling forth the hidden stores of tenderness in the true mother. So he says, bring me my sword. I'll take care of this. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to find out what's going on. So as he is attempting to divide this child, the true mother says, please, Lord, do not do this. Since her child has fallen ill and was taken from her, do not harm this child. Let her have it. Meanwhile, the other woman says, no, divide him. Neither of us will have him. It's at that point, the callous reaction of the second woman lets Solomon know who is the true mother. He doesn't cut the child in half. He restores the child to his right mother. Okay, so maybe we're not going to have the wisdom of Solomon. I would like it if we did. But perhaps maybe we could just take a little bit more time in searching for the answers that we seek. As a people of faith, we are called to live in unity. This was not a suggestion by Jesus like, well, you know, if you if you feel okay about it, you can just consider living together, but I can understand if it doesn't work out. No. Love of God, love of neighbor. He made it very plain. As he dragged his disciples around to neighboring towns and villages, sometimes outside of their homeland, outside of their district, outside of their neighborhood, he was doing this with the express intention of demonstrating to them the vastness of God's domain and the importance of everybody within that domain, that they all have a place. The weirdness of this year has left and will leave an indelible impression upon us. There will be things that we would like to forget and we won't. This drive to want to return to normal. That is a fantasy we tell ourselves. Perhaps there really never was a normal. It was just the world that we had come accustomed to. We only called it normal because we had allowed ourselves to settle into the new reality. But why do we push against this reality? Because it's raising issues. There are issues that are being raised right now that we don't want to have to hear about. We don't want them showing up and taking over our news feed. We don't want them ruining the joy of what it meant to do mindless surfing on the internet. We don't want it coming across the news. Okay, so we've stopped watching the news. But you can't stop your neighbor from speaking. 
We can't outrun what's going on. And we can't wish it and pretend it's going to go away without some active involvement on our part. It's very plain to me when I reflect back on the words of Jesus that he says, if you want an improved society, put some skin in the game. Don't expect someone else to do the heavy lifting. We need to take care of it. No one's going to come into our communities and right the wrongs. They don't even know what's wrong in our community. We probably don't even know what's wrong in our communities. We only know what we don't like in someone else's community. And then we pat ourselves in the back because we're so glad that we don't have to live there. I think it's bad enough that Christians are often ridiculed for being escapist in the first place, for placing our cares, our worries, our concerns on God and those who do not accept to believe and have faith in such a God, they already think that we Christians have passed the buck. In fact, any person of faith is open to that ridicule. If you claim belief in the divine, expect yourself to be ridiculed for those who do not share that platform. So there's more than enough room and blame to go around. This is a time for us to shine. This is a time for us not to minimalize and make silly our faith. But this is a time for our faith to truly speak boldness to the weird times that we are living in. Listen more, speak less. Ask questions. Wait very patiently for the answers. Learn people's narratives. Find out where they're coming from. Find out how you might even be able to help. Never grow tired of daring to learn something new. We are all in danger when we say, I know all there is to know. That robs us and the God we believe in the opportunity to glean new information. We do not know all that there is to know. We are always on a quest to make discoveries. And I fear for a church and a people who are unwilling to hear new opinions. Because every time our life intersects with the gospel, a new opinion should be formed. A new opportunity to say, I did not consider this. Thank you, God, for landing this in my lap. And I hope I can make good use of it. And I hope that I can bless my world. So we have to ask ourselves, do we want unity? And if so, at what cost? Because this weird year that we're having, it's been anything but. The only thing that's going to galvanize us as a people of faith is remembering that in our neighbor, we see the image of Christ. Amen.